morning. Happy Resurrection Day to all of you. And let me just say welcome to our members of Walden Road Baptist Church, our friends of Walden Road Baptist Church, and everyone who is part of this. Uh, welcome, welcome. Uh, we thank you for, for tuning in with us. Um, and we've had quite a number of people from out of town checking in and, 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 and hearing the message. Some of them were, were told me that they were very blessed by it. So we, we, we're happy for that. Happy Resurrection Day. I just want you to know that the sermons are now also on the website. And the website has been upgraded in, in many different ways. So you, you go there if you, if you have any questions or you need anything. Um, one of our sisters, Sally, uh, wants to do a women's Bible study through Zoom. Uh, we'll, we'll find out more about it and let you know about that uh, lady. So uh, Zoom has the opportunity and the ability to reach further than just our members. So a lot more people might be interested and uh, benef benefiting from such a Bible study. Uh, we, the Koning Ministries, which is my nonprofit organization, we are in the process of making a bunch of masks that we will give out for free. We are raising some of the money. If you want to contribute to that and want to help to that, help with that, uh, we get a made for $10 a, a pop, uh, which is right. It, it cost uh, our, our sister to $7 to make it. And I told her, bubble up to 10 because we want you to make a, at least a little bit as well. So if you'd like to help with that, please. Uh, now then, <laughs> uh, texting. We are getting into a, 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 a group text that is not a group that you will receive a hundred texts all a ping, 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 like that. No, it is a group text in that you just get an individual text. It is a service that we have started that Peter, our, our uh, computer brain, uh, has, has uh, discovered and, and is working on so that we can keep you posted as to what is going on. Now, if you have not received a text in the last little while, last couple of days or so, then then you are not on the on, on the text. It, it, it won't bother you much. I'm not into the group texting where I get, you know, 12 people and then I get a message from all the 12 people. Bing, 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 like that. No. So this is, you got an individual one and individual responses and so on and so forth. So, and then if you would go to our website and go to the digital uh, connect card and put your name and number then you will be on the on the text list as well. I promise you, this is not a bother. I've already received a couple of texts without the bing, 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 bing. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say, yes? Okay, uh, let me encourage you to keep praying for city, for county, for state, for nation, for the world, please. And... For all the things that we usually pray for, that people will come to Jesus Christ, that they will look for His provision, that they will look to Jesus for all that they need, and that also, but, but certainly, let us pray against the coronavirus. Okay? Would we agree to that? And I would appreciate it. Seven and I have started to do some, uh, what we call sidewalk calls. In other words, we go to visit another couple from the church or or whoever it may be they don't necessarily have to be from the church but certainly uh, the people from the church are included in this and we've done it already a little bit we go to the house call them that we're in the driveway they come to the driveway we stand well apart from each other uh, sometimes with masks and and visit for a little bit and we are glad to see one another wow what a blessing that has been so far. Many have asked, how can I help? Well, one of the easy ways of helping is that if you have extra uh, toilet paper, extra uh, paper towels, extra whatever that you would like to help other people with, let me know um, through a text or a phone call or whatever, even email. And then we make sure we, we, we get it taken care of. Uh, some of it we, we just store a little bit till we hear of a need and then for example yesterday we were able to give away some uh, paper towels we were able to give away 
uh, some gloves. We're able to give away some other things. So, and uh, we, we were able to give away some toilet paper. Uh, so, anyways, um, well, uh, uh, good, good to be with you, of course. Then I want to compliment you so much uh, for your faithful giving. Obviously, the church bills they don't go away, and so we appreciate your faithfulness in giving. Matter of fact, uh, our message goes out, and we have several people that are not members that were blessed by the message, they actually sent a, a check to the church for, for some support. So we appreciate that so very much. We're not against that by any means. <laughs> you keep doing that and we, we appreciate it so much. So thank you for your faithfulness in every way. In every way. So um, let, me, let me sing a song with you after, after, after we pray. And then um, people seem to really enjoy the song last week. It just, just goes to show that God is still in the miracle business. You know, I sing, I play, and you're blessed. <laughs> That's a miracle. <laughs> so, uh, so hopefully you know the words of this song, but let me pray first. Father, we thank you for your, your mercy and your grace upon us. Thank you, Lord, for the resurrection of Jesus Christ that gives us such assurance uh, concerning a victorious life here on earth as well as heaven later thank you lord we pray uh, uh for our city our uh, our county our state our nation we pray for our, uh, the world and we pray against the coronavirus uh, virus but most of all father we pray that many people would come to jesus in the spirit that this spirit of pain and oh suffering and and death would not be a wasted period but lord that you would uh make yourself known to a bunch of people. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen and amen. Well, this is a, a little song. It, 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 it is a song that has more meaning, uh, if you think about it, than, than just the simple words that, 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 you, that you can hear. This was uh, one of the favorite songs of one of my favorite ladies, a lady that I used to go to, to church with many years ago, Winnie Sanders who works in the, worked in the nursery. And she would sing this song to my daughter, whom she called Rosebud. And uh, a, a, a precious, precious, precious Christian lady. And, and, and it's a very familiar song because he lives. Um, and I like to go through the words a little bit. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because Christ lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future. And life is worth the living just because he lives. And so it talks about Christ lives uh, so I can face tomorrow. Now, in this day of coronavirus, that is a big deal. I can face tomorrow. I want you to know that you can face tomorrow because Christ lives. So uh, though things might be difficult, things might be extremely difficult. Yet Christ is alive and he is for you. Uh, I want you to know. Uh, and, and because he lives, all fear is gone. Because he lives. Um, and because I know he holds the future, I don't know exactly what the future holds. Because I, But I know that he holds the future, and life is worth the living. Just because he lives. Then I have a verse for you. He who spared not even his own son, but delivered him, us, delivered him up, for us all. How shall he, the Father, not with him, the Son, also freely give us all things? How? There is no case to be made for that. So let's sing. Would you sing with me? Because he lives, I can face
how Christ he is alive. Hallelujah. Now then, the message. The message. The message, the name of the message is, the title of the message is, The Resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yes. Uh, we will we will have a few lists in, uh, in this message. Uh, because I feel like that when I speak to you, uh, instead of in, in a, a church building, in a church building setting, I speak to you off of a screen. You see me on a screen. I feel that I need to give you a little bit more to look at, <laughs> besides my face. <laughs> for you, for me to break down some things, for you to not get uh, bored, sidetracked in your mind, but for you, for me to keep your attention so that this, the, the, what I'm telling you, the scriptures that I'm breaking down, and so on and so forth, that you will not only uh, pay better attention, but also uh, remember it better and, and, and uh, uh, retain it better. So, uh, so I'm not doing lists, so you have to remember, oh, Kenny just gives me a bunch of lists. It is not just to have a list. It is to be a little bit better organized. So if it's a little bit better organized, I feel like you can also better remember it. Uh, if you're a visual person, especially, that you see it on the screen and, ah, it is easier uh, because you're a visual person. Um, so let me, as, as per, per introduction, I just want to say that a lot of people think, a lot of people think, and, and you may or may not agree with me, but th this is what I have experienced anyways, that a lot of people think, and you hear it out there, that all religions are more or less the same. Nothing is further from the truth, because Christianity is not like any other religion. Uh, now, a lot of people say religion, I know what I mean. Actually, Christianity is, is more a, a relationship than it is a, a religion. <clears throat> yes. So, but in, 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 out there, everything is called a, a religion that has to do with, with God and so on and so forth. So, I'm not going to fuss with you about the religion thing. I'd rather have you um, have an open mind of what I have to say about the, the, the resurrection and about Christianity than for me to first with you about uh, uh, the word religion. There's a, a gentleman named Ravi Zacharias. I call him, I call him the C.S. Lewis of today. Um, and he says, uh, most religions make bad men good. But Christianity makes dead men alive. So here you have the difference. So, let me give you a few points of difference with Christianity and other religions. For example, Christianity, as opposed to other religions, uh, there is a substitutionary death. That is to say that one dies so that another can live. Uh, the death of one causes the life of the other. Uh, uh, sometimes it's called imputation. That is to say that uh, the, the demerits of one go on another and the merits of the other on the one. So that is to say that the merits of Jesus Christ are imputed to man and the demerits of man on Christ. Or you might say that the righteousness of Christ is imputed to man and the unrighteousness of Christ is on Christ's shoulders so that man can have life. Substitutionary death. Uh, a second one is that uh, the moment it, sp it speaks in Christianity about a born-again experience, it is not the only religion that speaks of born-again ex experiences. Uh, some people think that marriage is a born-again experience, or they think that they get a promotion and it's a born-again experience, or whatever. Or they raised in ranks from... Uh, pastor to bishop or whatever. So, but this born again experience is like this: that uh, all those who receive Christ, He gives authority to become the children of God, even to those who believe on His name. That here it comes. That is John 1, 12 and now thirteen. Who were born? Here's the birth. Born uh, not of blood, 
not of the will of man, not of the will of the flesh, like normal births happen, but by God. They were born of God. So this is a second birth. So you might say in Christianity, uh, if, if you uh, are born twice, you die once. If you are born once, you die twice. Let me explain. If you just have uh, a natural birth once, then you die twice. You die in a natural death and you die a supernatural death apart from God. If you are born twice, a natural birth and a supernatural birth because you're born of God the second time, then you die once. Only a natural death. You don't die the spiritual death, death because you will be always with Jesus Christ. A, a third difference I want to bring to you is that um, the moment that you're born again, God the Holy Spirit comes and lives within you. And now then, you don't have to uh, keep a set of outside rules. Uh, you have now the help of God the Holy Spirit himself who directs your life, who convicts you of certain things, who leads and guides and, and, he, and reminds you of the things of Christ. Uh, he, God himself on the inside. So in Christianity, you work from the inside out rather than from the outside in. Uh, and then another, of course, what we're talking about today is the resurrection. The resurrection, I call it the linchpin of Christianity. And uh, without the resurrection, we, there is no Christianity. There's no Christian faith. So the resurrection then is um, that Jesus was raised from the dead. And with that comes for his followers, not only eternal life as a guarantee, but also the fact that that resurrection power, the power that raised Jesus from the dead. And we're going to talk about that in, in just a little while as, as my second point of the sermon, that that resurrection power is available to his followers to live the life here on earth, to be victorious and overcoming of the power of sin. Wow. So this is what the believers, the followers of Jesus Christ, are celebrating today. The celebration of the resurrection. Yes. Yes. Christ is risen. Hallelujah. So, then let me uh, also say that, that the scriptures testify of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That we have all four Gospels are witnessing and testifying and speaking to Jesus Christ uh, being raised from the dead. Uh, in detailed fashion we find that in the four Gospels. The book of Acts helps us see that Jesus is alive and that we continue to pray to him and trust him as the one reigning in heaven. The epistles speak of Jesus Christ as the living and reigning Savior and Lord, who is the exalted head of the church, and who will return someday in power and great glory to reign as king on the earth and anywhere else. The book of Revelation speaks that Christ will return in great power and conquer his enemies and reign as king in glory and splendor. So then all of the New Testament testifies and speaks of the fact of the resurrection. So we have all four gospel accounts. We have the book of Acts. We have the epistles. We have the book of Revelation. In other words, all of the New Testament that testifies about the resurrection that Christ was raised from the dead. Now today, I would like for us to speak about one. The first point is the resurrection of Jesus and his followers. I want to be sort of brief, if I can. <laughs> um, there's so much to say about that. And the second point is the resurrection life of his followers. So the resurrection of Jesus and his followers, the resurrection life of his followers. Let's start with the first point. The resurrection of Jesus. And then in a little while we'll, we'll step up to the, to the followers. 
So let me take you to a very interesting passage, a glorious passage in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, verses 3 and 4. In, this, in these two verses, he basically gives us the core of the gospel. Let me read to you the verses. I, I, I don't have my Bible here with me because it is a little bit awkward to go back and forth. So I have the verses just typed into my notes so I can just read them right from my notes over here. So it is a little bit easier to... And then you see it on your screen and you can read it in the same way. It is the New King James Version. So here we go. 1 Corinthians 15 verses 3 and 4. Paul is saying, For I deliver to you, first of all, that which I also received. That Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. That he was buried. And that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. So here you have it. So what has he uh, what has he received that he's delivering? What is he delivering that he has already received? So um, obviously if you haven't received it, <laughs> you can't deliver it. <laughs> right? So Paul has received it and he's delivering this. So the, the, we, we see the, the word that, T-H-A-T, three times. So he's saying, I have received this, that, that, that. So he says, I have received and I've delivered to you, one, that Christ died according to the scriptures. Two, that he was buried. And three, that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. It is important to see that you have here the death, burial, and resurrection. That is the core of the gospel. That if we believe with all our heart in the death, what the death of Jesus on the cross has accomplished, and that he was buried, signifying his death, and he was raised from the dead, that is the gospel. Then it says, then we shall be saved. I'll talk a little bit more about that in just a little bit. So the death, burial, and resurrection. So, I delivered that which I received. That is a given. If you haven't received it, you can't give it. The second point I want to make is this, and I'm going to expound that just a little bit, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. On that cross, God displayed His love for us. Yes? You don't sacrifice your son for someone else unless you love that someone else. That is what Christ did for us. That cruel death, death on the cross. But that was not where it stopped. Because justice was also satisfied on that cross. Because someone had to pay for humankind breaking all kinds of God's laws. Someone had to pay for it. If you're a lawbreaker, you have to pay a price. Yes? Simple. So, And then Christ paid the price for us. And so he, he paid the price for every sin of all mankind of all time so that justice could be satisfied. A cruel death he died. So I want to speak a little bit about that cross experience a little bit so that we, we, we can make a few points here. We, we're going to go, go to now to Matthew 27, 50 through 53. Matthew 27, 50 through 53. And in these verses, we see <clears throat> that as Christ is on the cross, at some, po at some point, he yields up his spirit. And at, at that point, the veil in the temple is torn in two, from top to bottom. There is an earthquake. What a power event it was. Rocks are splitting. Uh, some saints, some believers, uh, their graves are opened and they come to life again. And then after the resurrection, a couple of days later, on the third day, some of those came out of the grave and walked in, in the holy city and they were seen by many. They appeared to many. So there were uh, five or six uh, issues over there. First, I want to talk to you about the fact that he yielded up his spirit. Let me quote, let me read a quote that I came across 
that, that, that is so powerful that we need to get it. Here it is. The Greek words used here in Matthew 27, that he yielded up his spirit, and in John 19.30, are unique in the New Testament. In 15 other Bible verses, give up the spirit, or yielded up the spirit, is used to translate a single Hebrew or Greek word, meaning to breathe out or expire. That is to say, somebody just died. This is true of the description of the death of Jesus in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 15, and the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23. But here, these expressions translate a, a Greek word, a Greek phrase of two words, not one word, two words this time. That means something a little bit different. That means to give over the spirit or to deliver up the spirit. In other words, the death of Jesus was different from that of any other man. No one could take his life from him except as he was willing to permit it. And then John chapter 10 verse 18 substantiates that. As if God would say to his son Jesus. Hey listen, you can take up your life or you can give up your life. It is up to you. I desire that you give up your life so that other people can, that the mankind can be saved. But it's up to you. And then we see that voluntarily, because no one was going to be able to take his life from him, and Father had given him permission to say no to it. It is not that explicit in John uh, 10, 18, but you'll find it there if you read it. Uh, so that Jesus willingly gave up his life so that we might be saved. He yielded up his spirit. Is the first point I'm making there. The veil of the temple was torn in two. The veil of the temple was torn in two. You remember, the temp the veil was that big, that heavy curtain that separated the holy of holies, the 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 presence of God from the ho holy place, which is the, the outside of the holy of holies. Uh, so that when Christ died on the cross and the veil split, the presence of God was now made available for all who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That every single one who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ now has access into the throne room of God. Right there. Never had that happened before. Only an invitation of God will you be able to come in His presence. But now... If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have automatic access into the throne room to visit with the Heavenly Father. Yes. And it was split from top to bottom. Uh, uh, God reaching to mankind and split it open so that a man could come to him. It was so powerful an event that there was an earthquake and the rocks even split. So powerful that graves opened and many bodies were raised. The bodies of the believers. It says they're the saints. But in the New Testament, we know that the word saints is actually believers. In uh, some places, the word saints has a, 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 a deeper meaning. But it is, it, it, when it speaks about the saints, it is uh, the, the believers of Jesus Christ. And then, uh, and then what it says over here, how powerful is that? That those who were raised at that point, after the resurrection, they got out of their graves and went into the holy city and they appeared unto many. Ah! <laughs> Can you imagine? Can you imagine? So powerful an event was it. So, but those people that were raised there and that walked in, in the holy city, as well as Lazarus, as we find in, in the Gospel of John, um, those people were raised from the dead, but not like Christ. They were raised from the dead only to have a normal life of aging and weakness over, over, over the long term and, and, and a, a, a sickness uh, and so on and so forth. And then ultimately they die again, but not when Jesus was raised from the dead. When Jesus was raised from the dead, he overcame not only death, but he, he got a body that 
doesn't age, is not weak, but powerful, and that will live eternal, eternally. Yes. So there you have it. This is with, with, with the resurrection then, Jesus Christ earned a new kind of body for those uh, that believe him, for those who are following him. That when they are raised from the dead, they too will have a different body. Let me take you to 1 Corinthians 15 verses 42 and 43. Here you have it. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. In other words, you, when, we, when, we, when we go to the grave, we will be, our body will be disseminated. It, it will be old. It will be dead. It will be falling apart. Uh, but it says it is raised in incorruption. That is to say, it will be from that point on immune to decay, immune to, to aging, and so on and so forth. It is sown, it goes to the grave in dishonor. That is to say, the body is going to the grave in dishonor, not the person. Okay? It is important for you to, to understand that we are uh, not a body with a soul, but we are a soul with a body. We are not a body with a spirit. We are actually a spirit with a body. This body that we have now is going to vanish and we get a, a, a new body. Uh, so it is sown in dishonor, but it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. That is the body that we get to uh, have uh, because we uh, belong to Jesus in the resurrection. Uh, so then we go, uh, we, we find then in 1 Corinthians 15 chapter back to the beginning. Remember we read that Paul said that he delivered unto us that what he received, that Christ uh, died on the cross for our sins, that he was buried and that he rose again according to the scriptures. And that is verse 3 and 4. And then we go to verse 5 through 8. That and I, I'll just I'll just give you the compilation of it. It, it. it just says over that he was seen by different people. He was seen by Kephas. He was seen by Kephas. He was seen by the twelve. He was seen by over 500 believers. And it says that in the text that some of them at that time when Paul wrote this, were still alive. So if you wanted to find out if this was a true story, you could go and, and talk to those that were still alive of the 500 and ask them, hey, because they were eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They saw him after he was raised from the dead. He was seen by James, seen of all the apostles, and then seen by Paul as well. And we know that Paul also saw him on the road to Damascus when Jesus had already ascended to heaven. So this is not even after the resurrection. This is also after the ascension. So obviously, if you are ascending to heaven, you, 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 you are alive. You're not in the grave any longer. <laughs> you're not, you're not under the earth. You, you have no risen and, and gone and ascended into, into heaven. That's how Paul saw him. So the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the linchpin of Christianity, of the Christian faith. No wonder that so many are trying to uh, discredit the resurrection as if they would try to discredit the, the Christian faith. But guess what happened? This is not happening to everybody, of course, but many scholars, uh, some were lawyers that, that know reasoning because they were going to prove that the, res that the resurrection was a fake only to find out that they were convinced that it was true and they became followers of Jesus Christ. Not everybody, but a number of them that I read about and a number of them that, that I know about. So Paul makes an argument, once again in the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians, and I'm just going to give you the, the highlights. He says, what if there is no resurrection? <laughs> he says, well, if there is no resurrection, that means that, that Christ is not risen from the dead. 
And it means that that we are all found to be false witnesses. And thirdly, then we are still in our sin. Our sins are not forgiven because they were forgiven on the cross. Then we're still in our sin. Then uh, 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 our, our, our eternal life where we are without sin, that then is a fake. Uh, then fourthly, he says, and then those who have already fallen asleep in Christ, they have perished and they were not saved after all. They, they didn't, they didn't receive a, a new body after all. They are not, they didn't have eternal life after all. And then fifthly, if Christ is not risen from the dead, then our only hope in Christ for this life here on earth and now, we are of all men most miserable. Yes. So the point is that Paul is making over here that Christ is risen from the dead. So none of this is true. Thank God Christ is risen. I believe in a risen Lord Jesus Christ. He is alive today. We could even say that he is more alive today than he was when he was on the face of the earth. Because now he's back in glory with the Father in heaven. Wow. The second point I want to talk about today, and I have a little bit of time, um, is the resurrection life of his followers. So his followers, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, they will have eternal life. They will go with him in eternity um, when they pass from this life. But while in this life, this is a most glorious thing that I don't hear very often spoken about, that I don't hear very often uh, preached, that I don't hear very often taught. And so I wonder then why so few Christian folk live in the victory that I believe that God has for them. And so let me let me see if I can uh, sharpen you a little bit, if I can enlighten you a little bit, if I can help you a little bit, because this teaching, this study, uh, when I... says to the scriptures is true, that believing it, I can appropriate it for myself, and that thirdly, if I appropriate it to myself, then I will have victory over everything that my lower nature, my flesh, my sinful nature wants to sway me to do, or not to do, if you will. So here we go then. Um, so, let us go to Philippians 3.10a. 3.10a. I'll read it to you and then I would like to break it down just a little bit. It was Paul's greatest desire that he may know him, that is to say Jesus Christ. It speaks about Jesus Christ in that passage, but I don't want to read the whole passage, so him here means Jesus Christ. That I may know him and the power of of his resurrection that I may know him and the power of his resurrection the word know here has to do with not just a mental or a head knowledge it has to do with experiential knowledge that is to say that if I say I know Jesus that is wonderful that is great I might read the scriptures and know uh, uh, I'm sorry if I say that I, I know of, about Jesus because I read the scriptures and I have this information that tells me about Jesus, that is one thing, that you know about him. But it's a much deeper knowledge that is spoken of here when you say, I know him. Uh, let me just give you a, an example and see if it, if it fits. Um, some people have told me about them going to these, these, these dating services on the internet. And they say, that they connect with a person on the internet and then they share some information about each other, right? So then obviously they get to know a little bit about each other, right? Yes? 
So now then, but I know about my wife, but I have a different relationship than just about knowing about her. I know my wife because I have experienced my wife in my life for over 43 years. So I know her intimately. That is the knowing here that Jesus speaks about. An experiential knowledge. That is to say that we might experience him in our life here and that we might experience the power of the resurrection. Oh, how wonderful is that? The power of the resurrection. Let me just say this. The power of the resurrection is the greatest power in the universe. Even if we combine all other powers of the universe together, they are no match for the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. The power that raised Jesus from the dead. There is no match for that. Um, and, 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 and check this out. That power, that power that raised Jesus from the dead, God makes available to us to live by, to live with. That that power will give us the wherewithal to overcome our sinful nature, to overcome sin, to overcome everything that is against God. God has given us the power to overcome it. Uh, so that we might have, so that we might walk in a newness of life, in a different life than before we met Jesus Christ. Ah, so once again, I've told you this in previous sermons, that I believe that victory is your birthright in the second birth. That victory is your birthright in the second birth. So, but we're speaking here of the second birth. Remember, you were born again. We talked about the fact that you were uh, uh, born uh, by blood or the flesh or the will of man in one instance. Or some people call it the, 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 the water birth, uh, the, the birth of water. And um, and the second birth is the spiritual birth. Uh, the first birth, a natural birth. The second birth, a spiritual birth. Now, when you receive the spiritual birth through Jesus Christ, that is when you receive the power of the resurrection to live your life by. So, I have good news and I have bad, I have bad news. <laughs> I'm sorry to say, on the day of the resurrection, I want to emphasize the resurrection. And this is what I have to say to you. That if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, you have this power available to you. But if you are not a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray to God you become a follower of, Je of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you need the power of the resurrection in this life to live a victorious life. So, um, so the power of the resurrection then can raise the dead to life again. It can raise a dead marriage to life again. It can raise uh, your dead reputation to life again. It can raise your dead testimony to life again. It can raise your dead family to life again. The relationships to life again. Your character, your dead character to life again. Your attitude to life again. Our lives to real life. Yes. So, let us go to Romans the 5th chapter. And we'll look at a few verses in the 5th and the 6th chapter. I'll try to go as, as fast as I can to get this done within a reasonable amount of time. Okay, are you, are you still with me? Thank you. If you don't mind, I'll take a swallow of water and, and uh, that gives you a little breaky-breaky as well. <laughs> so, we will read Romans 5, 20 and 21. Romans 5, 20 and 21. You should have it on the screen. Peter is just doing such a great job in getting it all done like that. So it says that in 20, and, and obviously we won't break down the, the verses completely, every part of it, because I want to just 
draw your attention to the resurrection part and the things that have to do with that. Are you with me? Uh, so, uh, so bear with me. 520 says this, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. 21. We're going we're gonna to work 20 and 21 together. So that as sin reigned as a monarch, as a king, in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So this is what it is saying over here. So yes, the law came in so that grace might abound, so that we might know that we are offenders of the law, that uh, did I say that grace might abound? That the offense might abound. I, I, I apologize. That the offense might abound. So that we are offenders. It becomes clear to us then, because the law came into the picture, that we are offenders of the law. If there's no law, then how can, it, can we even break it? Right? So when the law came into the picture, that made us to see that we are offenders of the law. But then it goes on to say, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. So remember that thought because when we go to the 6th chapter, we're going to talk about this thought a little bit again. But here's where I want us to take us in, in verse 21. So that as sin reigned in death, so the word reign means here as a king. I, I know, forgive my accent because sometimes it sounds maybe like the rain fell or whatever. This has to do with reigned like a king, like a monarch. Uh, so it, it, it reigned. In death, in other words, it, it, it was like a monarch. It was ruling over us. Now, let me explain the little word sin over here, lest we, we, it, it leads us astray. Because the word sin over here is not the word like sins, individual uh, acts of disobedience or omission or these type of things. This has to do with sin, our lower nature. Our lower nature, sin, that causes us to do individual sins. Yes? So, it is saying over here that our lower nature was reigning over us, ruling over us like a king. And we had no wherewithal to escape it, to fight it. Then grace came in the picture. Then King Jesus came in the picture and gave us grace. And now... Now then, King Jesus, when we receive him as our Lord and Savior, then we are basically saying, okay, Lord Jesus, we want to come under your rulership so that you are our new king. Yes? Does that make sense? So we were under, you might say, servants to our lower nature. I had no way to overcome it. Oh, there was a, a thing here and a thing there. We overcame smoking or we came over drinking or whatever. But, but, but we don't even talk about it. We talk about more, more sinister sin than that. That, that rules over us. Uh, whereas if we come under King Jesus, then he does away. He kills uh, the old ruler. And I have to explain that word, uh, that word death over there. He kills the old ruler and he becomes our new ruler by our yielding ourselves to the kingship of Jesus Christ, right? When I say that he kills the old ruler, and the, 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 the word death is used over there in, in some of these passages, <clears throat> the word death in scripture means not extinction, that something ceases to exist. The word death in scripture mostly means separation. That is to say, when you die physically, your spirit is separated from your body. Uh, when you die spiritually, you are separated from God. Yes? So the word death has more to do with separation. It's important to know because if we are thinking that our lower nature doesn't, doesn't exist any longer, then we, we, we come in trouble because we very well know that we still have to contend with our lower nature. Yes? So... So our lower nature was king over us and it just brought us death. Uh, now with the new king, we are that reigns through righteousness 
and eternal life to Jesus Christ. So he's saying over here, when grace came to you in the form of Jesus Christ, then now the new king, he gives you righteousness and eternal life through the very Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord. So we have a new king. We have now life. Uh, uh, the, the, the old ruler is put to death or separated from us and has made dropped away from the picture of kingship. He's now such a bystander. King Jesus is the ruler. Do you think that the flesh appreciates that in any way that our sinful nature is happy with that? No! Our sinful nature is not happy with that. And so let me take you to Galatians 5.17 to illustrate that real quick. 5.17 says this. Should be on your screen. The flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And they are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. In other words, your flesh and the spirit in, within you, they are at odds with each other. They are contrary to one another. They don't like each other one bit. The flesh wants to take over. But it cannot because you have the power of the resurrection that fights against it. But if you yield to the desires of the flesh, then you get yourself in trouble. Then you get, I, I take you to the list in 519 uh, or whatever it is, that I call the ugliest list in the scripture. The ugliest list in the scripture. And it lists what it's called the works of the flesh. Ugly. You don't want to live like that. But that is what the flesh will do to you if you yield to it. But if you yield to the Spirit of God, if you walk by the Spirit of God, then the fruit of the Spirit become yours. The fruit of the Spirit are yours. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and so on and so forth. Does that sound like something you might want? That is, I desperately, desperately want that. So then, uh, you have the, the ugliest list and the most beautiful list. You have the work of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. How glorious. How glorious to be able to walk in that by the power of the resurrection. So then, let's go to Romans chapter 6. We look at verse 1 and 2 real quick. And then we'll, we'll, we'll try to finish this up. Verse 1 says this. Remember, I ask you to remember the idea of where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. That phrase, that, that portion of scripture. Uh, here we go then. Chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? So, somebody is teaching a class and makes the argument where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Well, some wise guy in the back is saying, hey, uh, uh, professor, sir, uh, well, should I continue, should I not continue in sin so that I might prove that grace abounds? <laughs> See, that, that, that is, that is uh, shall I call stinking thinking? Uh, that is not good. Good arguing. It is like it's, it's like it's like this. Since we are in the, in the in the time of the Corona virus, let us say we have a, uh, a vaccine or medication that that takes care of Corona virus. Yes, we, it, it heals it right away. So should we then say it's the same logic? Hey, let me go ahead and get Corona virus, so I can prove that this medicine works. <laughs> I don't want coronavirus. <laughs> I, I, it's enough for me to know that the medicine works. And if I get coronavirus, then the medicine will take care of it. So he's saying over here, uh, certainly not in the New King James Version. In the Old King James Version it says, God forbid. Then he goes on to say, how shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? So let's get that down. How can we or how shall we who died to sin. In other words, that we are, we were dead to the rulership of sin. We were slaves to sin. Now we are not any longer slaves to sin because we died to it. So that is one way of escaping slavery or servanthood. Okay, we died to it. So 
How shall we then, who die, who die to it, any longer live in it? What case can be made that since we have been separated from the rulership of our sinful nature, why should we still live under the rulership of our sinful nature? That doesn't make any sense. Why? What case can you possibly make? Why should we live in the grip, in the vice, in the constrict of our lower nature? So that as a boa constrictor, it might constrict us and, and, and tie us up and, and suck and squeeze that uh, life out of us. Why would we live like that any longer? It doesn't make any sense. So God forbid that we should have that thought. Then let's go to verse 4. I'm trying to make the case over here that as Christians, that what God has for us is victory through the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ because he has made that power available to us so that we can live with it and by it in this life here on earth and that we might have victory. That's why I say that victory is our birthright in the second birth. Let me go on with verse 4 over here. Uh, let me just uh, uh, look at the portion that has to do with the resurrection part of it. Therefore, we are buried with him through baptism into death. Okay? We, we'll explain it another time. And I have in the past. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Okay? Here, speaking here to the followers of Jesus Christ. Those who believe in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he is saying that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, likewise, in the same fashion, in the same sort of a manner, we also should walk just like Jesus was raised from the dead in that glorious way. In that glorious way, should we, we should walk in newness of life, in a different sort of a life than before, we met Jesus and, the, and his resurrection power. So this newness of life is a whole different baby than the old life. And we'll, we'll, we'll continue to go with it. That, which, which means the newness of life has to do with victory. Because it is like unto the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Which was all, but, all, all victory. Nothing but victory. Solo victory. Solo victoria. Um... And then let's go to uh, verse uh, 11 through 14. I'll read them and then expound a little bit. Um, verse 11. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead to sin. In other words, separated from the rulership of your lower nature. Dead to sin. But alive to Christ. With Christ. Uh, alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That consider yourself dead to the rulership of your lower nature. He has no more rulership over you. But alive to Christ. You are now in Christ. Uh, and verse 12 says. Therefore. Do not let sin. Reign in your mortal body. That you should obey it. In its lust. Verse 12. Therefore. Because of the fact that you consider yourself. Dead to sin. And alive to God in Christ Jesus. He says therefore. Excuse me a second. <coughs> Therefore, do not let sin, which is your sinful nature. This is the word sin here that I've explained to you. means your sinful nature. Do not let your sinful nature rule in your mortal body. Not in your mental body. Not in your mortal body. Not in your physical body. Not in your emotional body. Not anywhere. Let sin not rule in your body that you should obey its it should obey it in its lust it has your mortal body has certain lusts certain desires it has desires to pull you away from god and paul is saying don't let it rain don't let it rule over you anymore in your mortal body so that you can so that you can stay away from obeying the, the desires of your flesh. Verse 13. A similar idea. And do not present your members 
as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. But present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. It's self-explanatory over here. I, 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 I. So it says, your members, your arms, your legs, your members, your eyes, your, your mouth, your ears, your, your, your whatever it may be. Don't present it so that it might be used for unrighteousness so that you are coming under sin once again, under your uh, sinful nature, under your, your body of sin or your flesh. But, it says, but present yourself to God. As being alive from the dead, as one that is uh, 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 raised with Jesus Christ from the dead, in that sense, <clears throat> and your and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. So present your arms, your legs, your eyes, your ears, your your mouth, your tongue, your body, your heart, everything. Present it so that God will use it for righteousness. Woo! -hoo! Oh man, isn't that exciting? Oh, the victory is all over the place. And then verse 14a says this, For sin, your lower nature, your lower nature shall not have dominion over you. Your lower nature shall have no more dominion over you as long as you yield to Jesus Christ. Then I'm going to give you one more verse to let you know. That God, He is not forcing you to do anything. Hey, you you have received Jesus Christ. You still have a a will to to choose whether you're going to sin or not to sin. And if you're coming back under the rulership of your sinful nature, then you become a servant all over again to your sinful nature. To obey it and to do as it asks of you or demands of you. But if you yield yourself to God, then you become His servant. Into righteousness. Let me read you the verse. Verse 16 says this. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness. So if you're coming back under the old ruler of, of your sinful nature, you will you will experience once again death. Not a physical death per se, although that could be included. But I'm speaking about the death of your, huh, your marriage, the death of your testimony, the death of your relationships, on and on. You, you follow what I'm saying? But then if you come under Jesus Christ, if you come, become his servant by obeying him, then you say it will lead, it says it will lead you to righteousness. Isn't that what you want, my dear brothers and sisters, my friends? Isn't that what you want? Isn't that what you strive for? Isn't that what you desire in your life? To have victory over all the desires of your flesh, your sinful nature? You have that in the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yes. So, we spoke about then the resurrection of Jesus and his followers. First point. The second point was the resurrection life of his followers. So my dear brothers and sisters, let me invite you to become a follower of Jesus Christ. Not only to have eternal life, but also a victorious life here on earth. Victory is your birthright in the second birth. The power of the resurrection has no equal, has no match, in all of the universe, I haven't even gone there today. I just want you to know this. Because what I want to explain to you in, in, in a future sermon is that the power of the resurrection has no equal in, in, in any way. The desires of your lower nature, uh, any craving that your lower nature might have in whatever way it is, the power of, of the resurrection has power over it. It has no match. And then lastly, let me just say it. No power, no force, no craving can match the power of the resurrection. The Lord bless you. I was going to read the, the, the lyrics of a song named He's Alive, but that will take a little bit, so I'm going to forego that. Let me just throw you 
a kiss. Happy Resurrection Day, my dear friends. <laughs>